The Archetypal Tarot Podcast explores universal human patterns called archetypes by investigating the major arcana of the ancient tarot. We recognize these archetypes because they are present in our own life stories, myths, and culture. Each card represents a stage of the journey for understanding the greater story of our lives. Welcome to the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. I'm Julianne Javot, a consultant who specializes in archetypal patterns, and my co-host, Sundara Quackenbush, is a tarot consultant, among many other fabulous things. And today we are delving into card number 10 of the major arcana of the tarot, and that is the Wheel of Fortune. And as always, we are taking these cards and looking at giving them a fresh modern look, something beyond superstition, which is going to be important for today's card, and just looking at them as a part of our lives. These are memes and myths that we can look at, uh, see in our lives, and hopefully make use of these stories and patterns and to improve our lives, to see kind of where we are, and hopefully get a little bit of depth, knowledge, and um, fun which might be happening today as well. So the Wheel of Fortune! Yes, we're both Vanna White today. <laughs> if only you could see us. Both of us are in these fabulous gowns, turning the letters over anyway. Oh, I know. I, I'm in my, my wedding dress size right now. It's amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, I look incredible. You already told me that today. <laughs> you look great. And this is a perfect example of the Wheel of Fortune card, right? You can't plan this stuff. It is about the turning of that wheel. So why don't you describe what's on these incredibly detailed and I think somewhat arcane <laughs> cards. It's kind of confusing, so. Yeah, there, there is a lot of symbolism going on uh, in, in the classic Wheel of Fortune cards. We'll take a look at the good old Marse Marseille's deck here. And we've, we've essentially, we see a wheel here with six spokes and we have an ascending creature on the right, uh, to the reader, card reader's right. Uh, looks like a dog or a monkey ascending this wheel. And then at the very top, we have the Sphinx guarding up there with a little sword and crown, making sure none of us transcend the wheel. And then uh, going down to the left side, heading on its way down with trepidation perhaps, is uh, another monkey-like figure. And so we really see essentially the wheel of life here, right? We see often what I'm sure all of us feel. We feel like sometimes we're on the up and up, things are going well, we're getting to the top, uh, we're at the top, and then other moments when it feels like we're descending and having to have a whole new reanalysis. In the Writer weight deck. We've got a, a very similar theme. We've got that sphinx at the top of the sword, um, and a, a rising Anubis figure on the right. Descending, we have the snake, which seems like a very apt symbol for a descent, or, or a, a really nice way to see a descent, which is you know a need to change skins. Hmm. What often Julianne and I find is that these cards, we our own lives will mirror perhaps oh, yeah. something and a. a uh, I'm coming up on this week of my birthday entering into, I feel the Saturn return time. So I feel a very Saturn return like quality in these cards. Uh, that's what it's meaning for me at the moment or any, for our readers, any period of time where you're 
sensing a big change, a big transition, a turning of the wheel, um, some new life being injected into uh, maybe something that felt dull and lifeless, that things are having to change. Uh, but it, it's often seen as a very fortunate card mm -hmm. to have come up in the tarot. Uh, so that's that's good to know. There's a lot happening in this card. See, now I'm um, I'm a deeply pragmatic person, and I come at I come at the the tarot is just being stories. I think superstition is something that can be really uh, troublesome for a lot of people to sort of put an idea into something and put so much power into something that they're that they're handing it away. And so, like when I look when I've <clears throat> Previously, before we delved into this and, you know, before I was actually working as a professional or looking at archetypes, I would see this card and be like, Bleh! like there's a lot happening here and there's, hmm. there's glyphs on it. There's, um, there are, there are Hebrew letters, um, and some of them, they've got alchemical details. There's just, this just really seems to be rich in a lot of things and kind of scary, but also sort of like what's happening. There's clouds and there's this wheel. And I, I think it's fun to kind of take a look at this from the from our everyday level of yeah there are going to be those times when we are just you know on the top of that wheel and going and it's as if nothing can go wrong you know that um those those days where you're just able to like move along with things stuff starts coming at you and then there's you know the kind of bottom of that wheel and the other part of that cycle where things are being sort of taken away from you instead of given to you and what do you do with that and I think both one feels good the other one not so good but seeing as both as being really really important and uh, a lot of people look at this card as karma you know what comes around goes around mm, so mm -hmm. we have a lot to delve into and we'll talk a little bit about the gambler maybe later but Sandera, you had a couple of things that you'd picked up on with the with the wheel of fortune and about experience and existence and moving on the number ten. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, we should uh, touch on the symbolism of of this significant number of ten. So this is the first time we see a double digit number in uh, our tarot journey. So this is, uh, of course, with numerology and so forth, this is very significant and, and must be noted uh, that there's a sense of completion here. Um, whenever a 10 comes up in the tarot, whether it's in the minor arcana or major, that, that there is that something has completed itself and come into its a, a certain wholeness in this stage. Uh, it's also signaling a, a new phase, uh, a new epic of awareness. Uh, so that's great to keep in mind with this card. And so uh, it also points to why this is also a, a wonderful card to see pop up in, in your spread. Is uh, You can ask yourself and, and give yourself a little pat on the back about what, what has come to completion for you and, and what has been a job well done or what have been the lessons learned. And uh, touching a bit on what this means for our, our hero, our hero's journey. He's come from, you know, he's just come from taking a little time out with the hermit, having a chance after maybe some of those sobering realities and objectivities presented by the justice card. He, he went in, he self-reflected, and he's he's come out with some new insight, just like how we are when we, we take some time to get close to the center of that wheel. We, we look in what, what keeps us steady and strong in our lives and where do we want to move out from in the next phase? And so uh, at this point, the hero is really ready to, to chance life in a new way, 
to take a new spin on whatever set him out on this journey. What are your what would you like to add to this phase of the hero's journey? Yeah, the 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 image, the story that comes to mind is, you know, coming out of this, I always imagine the hermit in the woods. So you're coming out of the woods, you know, you've had your contemplation time and sort of, you know, you're you've found your own light through all the travels and travails that you've been through so far. And there's this sense of sort of like freedom and without expectation. And I think that sort of getting centered again lets us let go of all these giant expectations maybe that we've had and just gone through and that maybe we've been, you know, whipped around, you know, so much by the wheel of life that this, the hermit has kind of let us, you know, just chill for a little bit. And I see this, the image of the fool going back out of the forest, maybe into a clearing or where it's bright and just being like, all right, I don't have any expectations. Go left, right, doesn't matter goes one direction and it's as if you know when at the top of the wheel wandering along someone goes hey you know are you thirsty here have something to drink and you know they go to the next place and they're like hey how are you doing and people just start it's like they become the lucky winner of everything or they decide hey I'm gonna go over here and do that you know and it's like you know going into the store and having somebody just be like you know, you're the 10th customer, you get to shop for free, or <laughs> wouldn't that be nice in a shoe store? But, um, so it's that just being lucky, but the, 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 the cool part of it is the, the fool in this part of the journey in the Wheel of Fortune is without expectation. And I think there was a mm. lot of expectation in each one of these cards, and they can, each one of these archetypes will show you that expectation that you might have, and how those expectations can kind of clamp you down on onto a specific idea. And that's not always a really um, great place to be because you then become uh, blinded to some of the other opportunities coming towards you. So I like the energy of this sort of coming out of the forest, being free, not having expectations, and just sort of seeing what the world is able to give to you right now when you let go of those expectations. Yeah, so that you can trust the universe enough to take take a risk and, and try something new and, and uh, have a new, yes, be spurred to a new aspect of the adventure. So there's there's a couple of things that this reminded me of this week. There, uh, I got a newsletter from one of my teachers, uh, Carolyn Mace, and she talked about seven extraordinary days of grace. And kind of in that, she talked about Renee Fleming, who's an, uh, a really incredible um, opera singer, and uh, Renee was teaching four sort of, of her students, and she had reflected with her students that, you know, as they're practicing and they're hitting those notes perfectly, that she told the story of having seven, seven days of excellence every year. And I know seven seems like a small number, but just go with me here. So <laughs> <laughs> I so, want more than seven. Don't we all? Trust me, you'd be completely bored if every day was absolutely perfect and you got everything you want. That's the whole point of this wheel, you know? Things go up, they go down. Everyone's got to have a chance, right? Exactly. Uh, got to spread, spread the luck around. Don't get me started. So these <laughs> seven days of just excellence, or you might want to call it grace, right? And that the being aware of, you know, those days that you fall into it. I've had those days. I've actually probably had a couple of days in a row that were just like the wheel was turning. I continued to let go of my expectations and I continued to be surprised by it. So we don't need to limit it to seven, but I think that idea, it's a good number that um, this, this top of the wheel sort of experience is that just being present with it, 
Don't try to control it. Don't try to run after something. Let all of the energy and everything that comes to you from it come into you. Yeah, that that is a huge uh, lesson that that can be learned by this card. Is that you can't you can't control or or be in power over what's happening in this larger wheel that you're a part of and that we're all a part of. Um, and when you can let go of that and 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 go with the flow, go where this wheel is taking you and. Uh, um, whether it's it taking you towards your success or whether you're having to just kind of back down a little bit and just let the tide go by. You know, that's immensely important uh, lesson of this card. And, and by the same token, as it were, the bottom of that wheel as we're looking at it, those, and I'll say it, those days of shit where just everything goes wrong. It's those, uh, you know, the murphy's law kind of mm, days and mm -hmm. i think murphy's law was basically written and if you don't know what it is google it um everything that can go wrong will go wrong idea that kind of describes that bottom part of the wheel but the same thing i think applies let go of your expectations um because if you're if you're in those murphy's murphy's law kind of days where everything just seems to be going wrong you can build the expectation that everything will continue to go wrong that's not true i think the more you look for opportunities for things to go wrong, the more you will find them. Um, and again, that's sort of that wheel of expectation. So just as if, you know, what goes around comes around, this too shall pass, that same um, idea can be applied. That if you let go of your expectations, whether things seem to be crappy or incredible, be with them and let them sort of move through. You, you have a much better experience of it. Um, and you also don't get stuck on the idea that it will always be this way. You can be present to what your, you know, some of the truths maybe that you that you need to have brought to you. Sometimes it's painful, you know, butt kicking kind of way, and sometimes it's joyous. And I, I'm I think in our society we're way more familiar with the uh, the latter or the, you know the form. We don't we don't get we don't learn joy as well as we do learn from pain. Hmm. So this is I think a wheel can show us that there's both are really important. Absolutely. And uh, just true to this, a lot of these tarot cards, we've been ex been exploring these opposites and how to hold these two opposites and live mm -hmm. with the opposites. Um, and while we're talking about uh, some wise teachers we've come across and also the bottom of this wheel, I'd like to mention uh, a wonderful book uh, that really influenced me when I was studying psychology at Pacifica. Um, and uh, Edward Edinger wrote a book called Ego and Archetype, and he has in this book a wheel that can show us the psychic life cycle, and it, it's essentially a model that can show us both what we were like when we were born in our original wholeness, but also how we are on a day-to-day -day basis when we have uh, our own ego self-identity uh, or an inflated sense of ourself. We, we've, we feel like we can do anything that we're, we're doing great um, and and this is like a heroic perspective and it and it leads us to take a risk it, it takes us out into the world and we do something either noble or ignoble perhaps <laughs> um, and we come across the inevitable in the world which is you know at some point things aren't gonna go completely our way in fact they might be flat out rejection uh, and this leads to a sense of wounding a dismemberment of this this amazing self that was off the top of the wheel um, and we feel alienated from ourselves uh, and this brings us all the way down to that bottom of the wheel where, where we have to 
have a sort of process of repentance and we feel we we have to be humbled and uh gradually we pick the pieces up this is like a disintegration right <laughs> we, we pick up these pieces that have shattered and we have to put ourselves together anew and we have to accept that we are human beings that we're not perfect that sometimes our ideas weren't the best perhaps um and there's a great release that can happen when we accept that we're human mm -hmm. and that that we're part of this larger wheel and and our little tiny wheels are not going to measure up to the big wheel so we reconnect with ourselves and we build ourselves back up things start going better again and we eventually find ourselves at the top again ready to heroically chance it again with some other project or idea uh and and thus the wheel spins mm. Proud Mary keeps on turning. Just sorry, it just reminded me of that. Um, proud, wait, oh, there's a lot there. But um, I'm going to digress into something that, that I thought of when you were talking about that. And this is sort of this um, idea of paradigm shift. You know, at the beginning, we're like, hey, it's 2012. There's so much happening. And there, there's an idea of a paradigm shift from this sort of like redemptive model where you always have to be redeemed that somehow we are less than and we're, we're constantly trying to make up for how, you know, bad we are to a different paradigm, which I think, you know, kind of is summed up with the, the wheel that you just talked about from ego and archetype. But it's, a, it's a, a shift from this linear, you're bad, you need to make up for that and redeem yourself um, to a paradigm of more about it being an evolution. Mm, and since mm -hmm. that wheel just sort of keeps turning, it, it isn't just about like getting redeemed and starting over. It's really, I look at that as being about evolution in terms of when things go wrong or we make a mistake, it's really a larger model to say, oh, I'm learning here. And the only way you can quote unquote lose is if you don't find the lesson and the gift that you that you might not have gotten had everything gone perfectly, had you made the quote-unquote perfect decisions and the true connectedness that one can get to when they realize that they are human. And when they realize that our minds do a couple of things really, really well. They can bring ourselves up to make ourselves feel good and then they can put other people down. Mm. Um, and it's that that sort of like, I'm, I can feel good about myself because I'm better than you. Oh, right model versus one of really more sort of like evolution and I can get connected to other people because I'm not mm. perfect because mm -hmm. guess what I'm a schmo just like everybody else um and that's how I think we get to be vulnerable with each other you can't be vulnerable if you walk in thinking oh I'm better than everybody here mm -hmm. um, and without vulnerability we're not actually having a deep connection because right. otherwise there's a sort of sense of status or or like better or worse or um, you know trying to make yourself feel better by pushing someone down or, or vice versa so I'm really glad you mentioned that because actually when I was taking another look at this card I was getting actually the image of a spiral mm -hmm. and and uh, I think that that like that's an interesting question is to ask how can I make the wheel work as a spiral or, or that it's moving down a road or that, mm -hmm. it, you know, we're not just learning the same lesson again and again, or, or maybe we are, but it, it, it's, it is part of an evolution. I mm -hmm. think that's a really beautiful way of looking at it. I, I appreciate that paradigm myself and I've been trying to work with that, you know, more and more and seeing as maybe the spiral is, is being kind of small at the bottom and it starts, you know, the, the, the swoops outward as you go up, like a spring, basically, but with the, the top of the, 
that spiral getting a little bit bigger. So sure, these archetypes and everything that we've talked about in terms of the cards is, yeah, we're going to learn these lessons over and over again, but hopefully um, working with them consciously, that space gets bigger and bigger. The lessons that we get from it are more expansive in our lives. And so we have, we're less likely to go, oh my God, not this again. We go, oh, right, I've been here before. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. And so there's a sense of recognition and a building of experience and understanding things as lessons versus that redemptive model, which really is more of like a, a Y and X axis mm-hmm. of like you're either mm-hmm. good or bad where you go, oh, not me again. You know, where you do fall into the the spiral of the the victim archetype, which is one that I think is appropriate to talk about here just briefly where you sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, but there is a chance to have that space be bigger and have it less being about being a victim (laughs) or a survivor and have it really more about gaining experience and seeing this as being expansive. Yeah, I could really see how the victim could come up here Mm -hmm. since we've acknowledged that this wheel is is larger than us, that we can't control it. It's it's pretty easy to to find that the the victim voice of, oh, this wheel, it's crushing me, right? (laughs) Why me? (laughs) Why me? Everyone else seems to be doing okay. Yeah, well, that's that's the victim archetype is something, you know, in my practice, everybody has. Right. And for some people can be really, really difficult to own, especially if they're only seeing it in the unempowered, you know, space. Um, It can be an excellent reminder for us to don't be a victim where you're handing your power to everyone else. Or you're in some way because you, victims like to complain. Um, you get your power by feeding off of other people's sympathies, as well. So as we kind of take a look at that, that bigger story, that bigger paradigm of seeing things as being more about evolution, and I mean this in the in the terms of the psychological uh, sense of evolution, that the victim is included, and that there's there are going to be those times and. Instead of just staying in that victim mode, you have the ability to grasp for the larger, larger lesson and the, the gifts that I think are always in there as well. I had a, a chat with a, a client not too long ago, and I think we just un- ended up with a metaphor of um, suckland. And I think the bottom of this wheel is what, what we were calling suckland. Hmm. We just all these things are happening in our life, and it was like ah, and it was really just sort of victim energy kind of happening. And, you know, in my practice, I try to point out the larger story, and I think she was getting annoyed. Like, ooh, ooh, what do you mean this is good? <laughs> like, how can I learn a lesson? And and then we just wound up laughing because I'm like, yeah, sometimes you do go to sh- Suckland. Just don't buy furniture. Don't stay there. <laughs> don't start putting a couch in Suckland. That's right. Don't, don't start getting a television and entertainment center because you don't want to live there. Yeah. There are going to be times where you have to be honest that this sucks. Mm. It totally will. Um, but again, it's like that expectation that you buy the furniture, you create the expectations that things will always suck, and you start buying furniture there. Mm. This, is me- this is metaphor work. At the time, it was friggin' hilarious for the two of us. But um, That's really that- interesting. <laughs> Just don't stay there and know that that wheel is going to turn and that you can get stuck on it if your expectations are thus that everything will always sort of fall badly for you and it will always be that way. We hope you're enjoying this episode and we invite you to become a part of the Archetypal Tarot team by becoming a patron. It's super easy and there are some awesome rewards for joining. So just visit tiny.cc tarot 
for more information. And now back to our program. So here we are talking about the victim. We're going to talk about the gambler. I know. Well, I, I, I'm so the, glad the victim presented <laughs> him or herself because it, it's absolutely relevant. But uh, since you mentioned it, let's talk about the gambler. So we've so we can discuss. So I want to make clear for our listeners that you know if this were to come up in a tarot reading or something, we, we wouldn't necessarily connect the wheel of fortune to the gambler necessarily. But I, I maybe in a shadow aspect, if you're getting addicted to chancing that wheel mm -hmm. and continually risking in a way that becomes detrimental, then perhaps that's the, uh, the wheel of fortune reversed or, or in a shadow aspect. Um, but, uh, tell us about the, um, the gambler as a, as an archetype that we're connecting in, uh, with fondness of game shows and, uh, I don't know, um, card playing in general. We can be very meta here and talk about cards in general being uh, a way to, get messages from the universe, yeah. I guess. In a Chance sense. and all of that. Yeah, and this is the first um, card that we have landed on that didn't have a direct path to a particular archetype. So we're gambling so, right now. So we're gambling right now. This a is little a bit. We're total like, oh, experimentation. We'll, we'll see um, what happens. Well, the, the, the gambler in and of itself, as you all, I mean, it's a pretty easy one for everyone to recognize. Somebody who's a risk taker. Somebody who follows their gut, their hunch, their intuition and just goes with it and they have the ability to hold that risk come uh, you know big payout or loss that is their ability they have um, a sense of faith or a belief that that wheel of fortune is going to get spun and you might lose but you know what they're banking more on the win and uh, this week actually this American Life had a great uh, episode all about gambling and it was it was about card counting and the blackjack so if you guys are out there we recommend that podcast so it really covers the sort of the gamut of what the gambler is about there is do you think they could recommend our podcast that's awesome. yeah. really, i highly recommend uh, this american life podcast if you haven't heard it you should uh check it out <laughs> and ira glass will recommend us but right, right. <laughs> see again you can't plan this stuff this is a wheel of fortune you know we're we're kind of bringing it all out here but the, uh, to get back into our gambler friend, there is something very dramatic about the gambler. And somebody, I mean, it could be, you know, I've known children who have the gambler archetype. They're just risk takers. They'll try it. It's for the experience of doing it. Um, they trust their intuitions. And getting back to that idea of expectations, they might have an expectation that they're going to win eventually, but in that moment, they let it go. I think that's sort of the superpower of the gambler of just letting go of that expectation of like wanting to win, knowing you will eventually, but in that moment when you spin that roulette wheel or you, you know, buy that piece of investment property, you know, you just have this faith and this, you let go of an expectation. You're just like, here's what's going to happen. You know, like I'm just going to be in this moment, which can be really, really great. The flip side of that is getting obsessive um, mm -hmm. with that gambling and my my theory, and I can't tell you this is backed up in anything, but Julianne's theory and experience is that there is that sense, the momentary sense of freedom when you just let go, that that can be addicting. Because mm -hmm. we don't we don't really experience that much much in our lives because we're kind of taught to nail all the details down and get it all right and have it all down. But that moment when the when the gambler is just letting those metaphorical dice go, that's kind of that you're being in the present moment. Yeah, You're just totally. there. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and, the, and in the shadow, you get kind of, you get addicted to making these dangerous risks. It can be, you know, with your own money, literally in gambling or just 
uh, not caring about the consequences after something's happened and completely letting go of their sort of groundedness in, in how it, their behavior affects them and their, their families. And again, mm-hmm. that, that podcast about um, blackjack, it's called For This American Life, just it's a good one to listen to if you want to know more about the gambler archetype and people. Mm-hmm. Um, the neurobiology of it, everything. It, was, it really has a lot to do with how we can habituate uh, something into our, into our minds and into our brains that says, you know, I'll win again, I'll win again, I'll win again. Um, so taking that into consideration, um, sort of that balance of up and down. I had a synchronistic uh, dinner with um, a friend of mine who definitely consciously acknowledges the gambler archetype within himself, and uh, he he spoke about this uh, addictive quality and and, and a, a habit of of identifying the wins or losses with you know how he's how he is, how he's doing. And he, and he described it as getting one up, getting something more than what he deserves or, mm-hmm. or feeling he deserves more and being able to get that through the experience of, of gambling and, and feeling really quite being powerful when you win. It's just like a godlike feeling when you win. And that can be very, very addictive. Of course, the flip side of that is... Um, what happens when you lose? You feel really, really, really yeah. awful because uh, you you can never win enough, but you can always go down to zero. Yeah, and uh, and that's why my mother always said if you go into a casino and you you know play one of those slot machines and you lose, consider it the best gift you will ever be given. <laughs> <laughs> Because winning starts the addiction. Yeah, that's true. I'm not, honestly, I grew up in a gambling town. I'm not much of a gambler myself. I, I just joked to a friend of mine. I was like, he's like, you don't like to gamble. I'm like, no, it would be more fun for me to take that money and throw it at the machine to see if I can hit it and bounce it off the side <laughs> and, and then pick the money up again than it would for me to actually like put the coins, the coins in. But in terms of this stage that we're at, this expansive, to kind of bring it back to the wheel, just having that, knowing that this idea of the wheel of fortune, this things, you know, goes around, comes around, the fact that there are going to be periods of sudden events and unpredictability and cycles, having that, having awareness of that, that is, that is a part of life and that whether you're stuck on the upside or the downside, that things will always keep moving. The only thing that I think can keep us sort of like stuck in misery is our own sort of ideas about that. The the fact that something went wrong and we attach a bunch of stories to it, um, that can kind of keep us in that miserable state. And the same thing for the joyous things. We start creating a bunch of stories around why we're so joyful. Those don't those stories don't always help us. Mm-hmm. Knowing, you know, if, if we stay with them and we, we insist that that always be our, our new reality and that we kind of narrow it down to it's only this or this. So this is a balanced card. It's the one and the zero. So we have... Mm-hmm. That's um, right. We have a masculine number, the one standing right next to the zero, which mm-hmm. is a feminine number. Great. So let's talk about films. So essentially in any film, you can see the Wheel of Fortune at work, right? You've got your main character, your hero, who chances, takes a risk, perhaps. And watch in any film that that hero will be humbled in some way or another and will hit the bottom of that wheel and have to build themselves back up again uh, to create a new identity or to start a relationship or whatever it takes but uh, but we have a couple that we've thought of specifically here 
Sure, they, they have a lot of gambling sort of themes to them. Um, Catch Me If You Can uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, is it? Yes. Um, that's, that's a great movie to see. Just the gambler archetype, this risk-taking. Also the Puer Eternus, which is the eternal child archetype. Because he's really just all about freedom and movement. And he himself, when you watch this film, I think it's a well-made film, too. It's entertaining. Mm -hmm. But it's, it is a perfect sort of example of the, the, the moving of the Wheel of Fortune and how he, in, to the detriment of other people, notably, in, you know, in his life, um, and he really learned this sort of uh, ideas from his father. But just that continuous wheel and how he just keeps going. He's mm -hmm. letting go of expectations and... It, basically, it's about a check forger, um, or he just impersonates all these people, and he he's gets away doctor, with it. He's a doctor. He becomes a airline pilot. Airline pilot. Like, how did he pull those ones? Off? I can't even see the side of blood without uh, <laughs> wanting to faint. So exactly, I don't know how he did that. One. So I mean, he's a shapeshifter. There's a lot of other archetypes, obviously, in this film, but that's a fun one to look at in mm -hmm. terms of the the wheel of fortune. Um, and then the Ocean's Eleven series, Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, Thirteen, however many they're up to. I personally think these films are immensely fun. Um, they're kind of big ticket films, but um, the cast is great. You've got um, George Clooney, you've got um, Matt Damon, Brad Pitt. Uh, oh my God, this is so many incredible fun actors. And they're a romp. They are about that sort of spinning of the wheel. In one, you know, they're always about a caper, you know, that's the thief archetype, but it's this uh, sense of camaraderie. And that the, when the when the wheel of fortune turns and they're all up, they all get the payoff. And when the wheel of fortune sort of turns and they're underneath, they're all in it together too. So I think um, I like that idea of that sense of um, community and loyalty that all these um, characters have with each other. Um, so those are good examples of of how everything can kind of work. How we're never on this wheel alone. We always have other people sort of around with us, and we can connect to people. Um, and no one would ever want to watch a film if everything went completely right, nothing went wrong, and no one was challenged. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Conflict is essential. Not not even a Care Bears film, not even children's films. There's always got to be a little bit of grit. The stakes are high. Yeah. So cool. That was fun. What else can we do that's unpredictable? <laughs> <laughs> So oh you my just God. ruined it by saying it, but oh well. Oh, <laughs> oh. I know. There's, there's some stuff happening pretty soon, though, so. Um, yeah, so speaking of the unpredictable and the trickstery element in life that always throws in a added wrench into your wheel at times, uh, come celebrate the trickster at the trickster salon which is uh, a wonderful thing that i attend monthly uh, it's a community art event where there's paintings there's performances there wa there's walk arounds i'm often doing some sort of walk around thing i've been known to do tarot readings at times at these events uh, but it's this june 21st at 9 p.m at mission control uh, you can find out more by going to tricksterevents.com and the theme for this month uh, mentioning it because I feel like it's linked to our Wheel of Fortune theme is what's behind door number seven. So the, it's a very cheesy game show, take a risk, chance your luck sort of theme. I think it should be a lot of fun. And that's for you people in the Bay Area. So that would be in San Francisco. Our apologies to tease you with such cool events if you are living elsewhere. And I know we do have podcast subscribers from around the world. 
So, but if you're in the Bay Area, June 21st, 9 p.m., check out tricksterevents.com. That should be a lot of fun. I hope to make it there as well. And that's also on the, um, we're in our summer solstice that night as well. Yeah, that's right. So wherever you are, enjoy your summer solstice. And uh, we are here in San Francisco. We're here so, in San Francisco. you know, that's two excuses to come out to San Francisco and uh, come get a reading or an archetypal session with Julianne. I think that would be really, really cool. We're offering something special. You want we to are that? taking a little bit of a risk here. Yeah. Uh, both Sundar and I have agreed that all of our podcast listeners, um, until, well, let's just say the end of the year. End of the year? Let's do the end, end of the year. End of the year. End of the year with the help. So we are both offering, um, should you want to work with us and check out what we do, we will offer you 20% off your first scheduled session with us. So listen at the end of this podcast and you'll get our information. And if you want to take a risk and see how it is uh, to work with us, what kind of insights and help you can get in your life, um, contact us in your first session. You get 20% off. How's them apples? That sounds really good. I think I might just have to take advantage of it myself. But yeah, I think that's an added incentive for um, anyone out there. Because I, you know, I talk to a lot of people and they're, they're afraid to do a tarot reading. They're like, well, what's going to come up? You know, what if the death card comes up? So, um, so that's a yeah, whole other... Yeah, your stuff's uh, not like that at all. It's and, not yeah, all voodoo. Exactly. It's... Yeah, it's, it's really not like that. It's a really just wonderful way to draw out your own wisdom, to clarify a specific question in your life and uh, yeah, uh, for you as well. It's not superstitious, your work at all. And again, that's what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. I'm really aware of and beware of superstition. I think calling that knowledge and that wisdom back to yourself is what it's about. And the second you start sticking on these other things on the outside, you're really going to lose your center and your equilibrium and you're going to start doubting things. So superstition, schmooperstition is what I have to say. <laughs> That's right. So, don't be afraid. Um, so we are now ending our last podcast until we believe September. We're going on sabbatical and... Um, we have one more little baby podcast for you that we're going to put out in a couple weeks, but uh, we will see you all again, see you, hear you, be with you um, in September. So we'll miss all y'all, but hang in there. We got more coming later in the summer. That's right. And uh, if you miss us, please let us know. We'd love to hear. Uh, we're halfway through the deck now, essentially. Yeah. So, or halfway through the major arcana. So, if, you know, if you have thoughts, comments, questions, suggestions for where we're going with this and want to hear more about movies or if you want to hear more myths or if you want to hear more archetypy stuff, whatever it is, more gambling, I don't know. Let us know. Let us know and uh, we'd love to hear about it. AT podcast at archetypist.com. All right. Love y'all. Have a great summer. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to become a part of the archetypal tarot team by becoming one of our patrons. Our patrons are awesome. So if you're interested, visit tiny.cc tarot for more information and the awesome rewards for joining. That's tiny.cc tarot. Yeah.